Hey there, Bogus listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this installment of the Forever Bogus Podcast. And it's your bogus host that knows the most, B-Boy Bogus Bryce, a.k.a. Mr. Bryce, staring at the beautiful face of my best friend, Jamie Killsby, a.k.a. Hey, what's up? It's your favorite rapper from the middle school lunch table, J Dog, back J-Dog. again on the Forever Bogus podcast with my buddy Bryce. <laughs> Thank you, man. Hey, we're here. We're living. We're live. You're so right. And uh, I'm just going to be honest right here at the tippy top of the show. We're two very busy guys. And sometimes it's hard to put together a full length episode of some brand new content when uh, we have a lot going on right now. Yeah, there's a whole. I got a whole movie sitting there that's unwatched. <laughs> how am I gonna how am I gonna watch Blood Debts if I have to record a podcast? You still haven't watched it yet? No, oh, I want to watch it again. That's okay, what I'm saying. I see, I, I, I see. I have I see. to watch Blood Debts again, but I don't have time to watch Blood Debts again <laughs> if we're recording a podcast. So That's so true. And I've been very busy putting together our bogus sleepover, which is gonna be this three hour event. It's a live stream, it's free for anyone to attend. And the Forever Bogus is actually gonna be doing a live podcast. On the stream. Yeah, we're really excited about that. And what do people need to know if to, to access that? Well, all they need to know is just go to tinyurl.com slash bogus sleepover on Friday, the 26th at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Three hours of pure nostalgia. It's going to feel like you're channel surfing at your best friend's place in the mid to late 90s. You just got permission from your parents to, to sleep over. So that is... Friday, the uh, 26th. <laughs> yep, that's right. At 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Tinyurl.com slash, is it? Bogus sleepover. Yep, that's right. We're getting there. You're going to have a sleepover us. We're going to do a live podcast. It's not going to be as long as usual one. It'll be about 10, 15 minutes, but you're going to see video of us. We're going to yes. have things to show. We're going to be holding things. It's going to be very interactive, and there's going to be tons of... Uh, you know, nostalgic clips. There's other musicians popping in there. Uh, oh, yeah. Your wife Amy lot. is playing some video games. She a whole is. Bunch She's going to be on. doing a uh, Mario Super Run or Time time Run. We also have, uh, of course, our Snick Night and stuff. A lot of that's going to be a surprise. Just know it's going to be pure nostalgia and that you have to tune in. Bryce, can I just tell them something? Go ahead. You're going to shit your fucking pants about this. (laughs) Make sure you bring an extra pair of pants. Well, that's the rules of any sleepover. If you don't bring underwear. That is true. You're you're up shit's creek if you shit yourself. (laughs) Quite literally. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I say at the top of the show that we've been really busy because uh, we don't have a full length episode to give you this week. But we're not going to leave you hanging. Because we are doing our Attack of the Clips episode part deux. Exactly. Uh, Before we start that, I just want you to listen to this real quick. Are you eating chips? And it's funny because I see Ladybird right behind you perk up. Like, oh, oh, she food? knows. She, oh, she's over here. She came right over for a chip. Let's see if That's we can so get her funny. on mic. All right, listen. Shh, shh, I hear it. I'm going to give her a chip. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. All right. 
So if you tune into our previous Attack of the Clips episode, you're aware that some of our episodes had to be cut for time. Certain parts or clips of those episodes had to be cut for time. And I keep those. I hoard those. I really enjoy those because it's kind of like a peek into the bogus world. You kind of peek into the curtain of the bogus world. Yeah. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Yeah, he's naked. He's, he's probably he's, shitting he's, himself. He's jerking off. Oh, gosh. I wasn't <laughs> going to go that far. But anyway, so we have a collection of five different clips from previous uh, unreleased episodes, some that were cut for time, and some that we were guests on a different podcast. So I really want to jump into this w- without any sort of hesitation, even though we've already hesitated for what, six minutes now? Four, four and a half. <laughs> anyway, so our first clip comes from a to-be or not-to-be Boom Howdy exclusive. Now, did you read any of these articles when they were producing them? I just know that you should not look behind the curtain because the man behind there is jerking off. But uh, no, no, no. I, I, we're is, here again. This is, all, this is all new to me, and I'm excited about it. What, 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 what so, do you got here? Boom Howdy put together this small series of, um, I'd say they're like articles and stuff, but I put an audio twist to mine, but it's called To Be or Not To Be. And of course, we're always pimping out To Be, the, the TV app, because it is just a plethora of so many good movies and TV shows and stuff that makes you feel nostalgic. Like it's something that you definitely have to dive into if you haven't done so already. I will say, because I've been wanting to say this, To Be is great. They have a lot of great stuff, but- so you guys know that we're not shills to, to Tubi. <laughs> it is not without its flaw. Yeah. Flaws, I should say. That's true. That's there, true. There is a lot of crap on there. And you have to dig a little bit. You have bit. to dig a little bit. You got to get willing to put, you know, get elbows deep in the shit to, to find the good <laughs> stuff, to pull the corns out. But uh, also, I think I, I am a subtitle watcher. I usually keep subtitles on the things I watch, and their subtitles are either non-existent or off. Oh, um, I hate that. They're like yes. 10 seconds off and it's like, yeah. it's just impossible. So, so, but to be rules, that's not to say they don't rule. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to show that we're not corporate shills or anything. There we go. That, I appreciate that you bring that up, Jamie. But on the to be or not to be Boom Howdy exclusive series, I got to write for them. And I also put together a little uh, audio clip, kind of a short podcast. And I cover the movie Mystery Monsters. That I'm pretty sure that Charles Band had a lot to do with. It was it on is it on the Moonbeam label? I think it is on the Moonbeam label. It would not surprise me. Because Moonbeam is like the full moon's children's movie label. Exactly. And that's what this was. This was a children like thriller, mystery, slash kind of horror movie yeah. that included a bunch of puppets. And like these puppets would probably fit perfectly into any of the master uh, puppet master movies. It's one of those things where like I don't really know where we stand as a society anymore because I, I knew for a long time it was like, you know, if if you're dirt poor, you still have content. You could go to Seven Eleven and find full 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 uh, moon for three dollars for, for less, like sometimes a dollar for like a pack That's of true. four of them. Yeah, and, it's so uh, true. But that. That is the system, man, because poor kids have to watch this. That's what that's why society's so <laughs> fucked up. I was a poor kid and I, that's that's what we watched. Trash. Trash. And look at me now, eating <laughs> chips. Hey, you're doing all right. You're doing yeah, all right okay. for yourself. Okay. Um but anyway, let's not take away from this movie review of Mystery Monsters. So let's jump to that clip right now. Let's go. Why hello there, boom howdy duders and dudettes. My name is Bryce, and I am the founder of Forever Bogus. I'm also one of the co-hosts for our podcast, the Forever Bogus Podcast, 
where we focus on all the things that make you feel nostalgic from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. You'll definitely want to tune in because we cover some of the best and some of the worst content from those eras. We're right here on the Boom Howdy Network. So speaking of Boom Howdy, we were asked to participate in their to be or not to be segment that's been going on here lately. So on top of writing an actual review for one of the movies for this segment, I thought it'd be fun to add an audio twist to it. So let's kick this off. Tubi. Tubi, Tubi, Tubi. Good old Tubi. Bring us movies that we've either forgotten or we wish we had forgotten them. So I was turned on to Tubi a little over six months ago, and it very quickly became one of my go-to streaming apps. And that's because, in my opinion, Tubi is one of the best free TV slash movie streaming services out there. I mean, the content alone is so diverse, you can spend hours trying to figure out what to watch first. And I got to say, the first time I loaded it up on my Roku, I did spend hours just searching through all sorts of great content. So on top of that, they have some amazing partnerships with different distribution companies and production companies, some of which I personally love, such as like Full Moon Features and Charles Band. So that name should ring a bell, especially those who are following Boom Howdy, because Charles Band is known for producing some of our favorite horror movies from our childhood, such as like The Puppet Master, Subspecies. I mean, he produced bukus and bukus of great, eh, okay, not great, but some of the funnest horror movies out there. And uh, many of you may not be aware that Charles Band directed a handful of children's movies. That's right. You heard me right. Children's movies. So if you know me and my nostalgia brand, Forever Bogus, you know that I love shoddy, low-budget kids' movies from the 90s and early 2000s. In fact, that's one of the biggest titles or biggest things I look for when I go hunting in the wild for VHS tapes. So you can only imagine that I was beyond thrilled to see that to be hosted most, if not all, of Charles Band's directed children flicks. So now the challenge came to me that I had to decide on which one I wanted to review. And the whole point of this to be or not to be is to find a movie that you have never heard of before, you have never seen, and... Um, Write a little review about it. Maybe tell a bit of a backstory of your own personal experience or a backstory of the production or post-production of the film. So I decided that I wanted to find the one that had the craziest looking poster. That was also a bit of a challenge, but I ended up landing on Mystery Monsters from 1997, mostly because the poster reminded me of the monsters from Pet Shop, which is also, I believe, another Charles Band or Full Moon Features related film. But the the monsters from Pet Shop morphed together with the puppets from Doll Graveyard from 2005. This movie must be rad. Am I right? So the plot of Mystery Monsters is pretty simple. There's a young boy named... Tommy, and he's given the opportunity to act as a, as a new character for his favorite TV show called Captain Mike's Mystery Monsters. Yeah, a little tongue-in-cheek there, but it's still fun. So this kid's show is a blatant Mr. Rogers ripoff, 
where it has uh, three ugly looking monsters that co-host Mike. There are the other couple kids that are on the show as well that kind of help Mike out. But it seems like it's only on one set and it's like a dock on this imaginary lake. So Captain Mike is a captain of a of a ship, I'm assuming. I'm, they don't give a whole lot of backstory about him, which is interesting, but whatever. Tommy and his uh, newfound girlfriend discover that the monsters on the show are actually real monsters, and they were stolen from another planet by the host of the show, Captain Mike. So apparently Captain Mike can go out of this world, off of Earth to different planets or something. They didn't really cover that either. So, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a kid's movie. Let's see how far we can get into this. So little do they know that the monster's real master, the evil Queen Mara, is on Earth to reclaim her monster slaves and take revenge on Captain Mike for stealing them in the first place. Okay, maybe the plot isn't that simple to explain. Tommy has to make sure that the monsters are are safe and they're hidden somewhere in his house. They end up tearing the house apart. It's oddly reminiscent of Prehistoria, which if you do enough research into that movie, Charles Band also had his fingers in that movie. So go figure. It's uh, pretty obvious that the two monsters are, are puppets which are pretty well made and believable, but it's definitely obvious that the other monster is an actor in a costume that spends most of his time in front of a green screen. It's pretty evident that this monster was created only to have a voice for the monsters and to tell their backstory. And it honestly just doesn't work for me. It just looks off. It kind of makes me feel weird at the same time because the face looks a little porcelain, But the eyes definitely look real. But let's get a little deeper here. The score. (sighs) I I refrained about talking about this. Because I'm not a guy who really researches or does a deep dive into scores for movies. But it was really hard to listen to throughout this movie. Because the score for this movie is very out of place. It almost feels like it was used... From, for a different film, or maybe it was reused from another film, or it was just like a, a generic score to use. So, for instance, the score somehow reaches a climax or a crescendos during a sequence where meaningless dialogue is being delivered. It didn't help the story. It didn't, it didn't help anything. So, like, why is there this big crescendo in the score? Like, you would think that would happen during parts of that were more thrilling, that had more of a climax. So what is weird is there is a part where the monsters have to stay silent as they almost get caught in uh, Tommy's room by his parents. And it's just silent. There's no music behind it at all. You think that would be the opportunity to use that crescendo to kind of bring people in with the feeling of anxiety. But nope, they just skip right over it. And speaking of skipping over it, the pacing of this movie is all over. I mean, it, it, at the beginning, it seemed like it was on the right track, but then by the middle of it, you're like, I really don't know what's going on. There's not much substance, and they're not really going back and explaining things. Like like I mentioned before, Captain Mike, like how did he go into space to take all these monsters? 
Now, the acting, on the other hand, is something that I would expect from a Charles Band movie. And in fact, you uh, if you are a fan of his movies, you'll definitely recognize some familiar faces, as there are a few actors that are in uh, a bunch of his movies. In other words, the acting did not bother me as much as the pacing or the score or even the puppets. So, the criticism aside, I'd say this film is okay but overall, I did find this film to be a little fun. As I mentioned before, I'm a fan of really low-budget, crappy 90s kids' movies, so this definitely had all the right elements for me to like this film. So, to be or not to be, I think you should to be. I think it should to be. <laughs> did I say that right? Well, how about that? A little bit of a uh, <laughs> little bit of Charles Band for you. Yummy, yummy. I I, uh, I got a lot of love for Charles Band, uh, same way that I do for for Lloyd Coffin. But you know what else I have a lot of love for is butt rock. Yeah. <laughs> we found out a lot about during our butt rock episode with Jonathan McDowell. Right. I actually thought I knew what butt rock was. And it turned out I did not know at all. I thought it was like Limp Biscuit. I thought it was more about being in your face and, uh-huh. you know, shit like that. But it's it a turns lot out it's a, it's a lot deeper than that. It actually, Limp Biscuit almost doesn't fit it at all, as right. it turns out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we spoke with Jonathan, who is a friend of the show. He has a lot of knowledge on butt rock for some reason. <laughs> and uh, this, obviously, we if you heard the episode, we were just sort of riffing and I was learning what it was and he was explaining. So we had to cut a lot because we went long. We did. Um, so this one we talked a little bit about more than butt rock the music. We were wondering what the fashion of butt rock is and the lifestyle uh-huh. of butt rock, like the butt rock culture a little bit. For me, I, gosh, you guys were like, as it turns out, I think you know butt rock is a is everywhere. You don't know it if you, yes. if you, you know it, it's huge. But in the Midwest, you guys seem very aware of it. <laughs> it is in our everyday lives like we yeah. can't avoid it <laughs> so like you know butt rock is bands like nickelback and three days Grace and creed and yep, big yep. commercial rock with uh you know roots to pearl jam that you yep. know is all about vanity and and as we discovered um displays of masculine vulnerability you know like with <laughs> yes. arms wide open exactly. Oh, yeah. exactly like being you know being manly but being sad um, <laughs> that's a good way so to yeah put let's it. let's go to that we had a great time okay. with jonathan and here's some shit we had to cut out let's give it a whirl um the one thing i want to note too is that when we think of subgenres that are, are of course butt rock, one thing we can we can keep in mind is they do have dress codes. So you're talking about new yes. metal. So go new yep. metal dress code, trip pants. Yeah, the yeah, big trip bands. pants, bigger shirts, uh, a lot of like like chains. I think of for some yeah. reason chain chain wallet, jinkos. Yes, yes. I think any photograph of me between sixth and like seventh grade. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. That's, that's jinkos. Yeah, Jamie, did you have jinkos? I had Jinkos, and then I wa- my mom washed them so much that they weren't big anymore. They were just regular jeans. Oh, that's and, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> she got that, you good. Yeah, but it, it blended into like when I like the skateboarding thing. So by the time that yeah. was falling out, I was like, all right, it's fine. These, these fit normal now. There yep, you yep. go. Let's talk about the Midwest. Like when I think of the most stereotypical butt rock listener, I think that it, it's more than likely a male. 
Mm-hmm. His name is Kyle. He drinks mm-hmm. at least two monsters a day. Mm-hmm. He yes. prefers cruising at the, you know around town in his pickup truck, glaring mm-hmm. whatever butt rock. And he yeah. has like for some reason he has like these permanent truck nuts on the back of his truck. truck. Oh yeah, the truck, truck nuts. Truck yeah. nuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I'll put them on my skateboard. <laughs> Just dragging. And Kyle, <laughs> Kyle has to sometimes because the truck runs like. One day every 432, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> I was once that Kyle. And so do, would you guys agree with that? Like, is that the most stereotypical fan of butt rock? I think you just described me at a point in my life in which I was most butt rock. Yeah, I was slamming Mountain <laughs> Dew. I mean, yeah, you know, um, I wasn't driving at the time. I had a 93 Mitsubishi Eclipse, you know, I was nice. cruising around. Yeah. At the time I was listening to like, the heaviest music I could with like subwoofers, which I think is another conversation <laughs> when there was the subwoofer trend um, uh-huh. and people getting subs in their cars and stuff. But um, that was me. I mean, you described me. So yes, I think you, <laughs> you nailed what I experienced as a, a young Midwestern kid as butt rock. And I think every kid that was that lived in the Midwest in a very small town went through that phase. I, I currently live in Independence, Missouri, and I, I will say it time and time again, I feel like everyone's still in high school because that is still the stereotype here. Like every guy who drives yeah. a big pickup truck that has truck nuts, it is, his name is more than likely Kyle, and they all look the same. It's a time warp. It's real strange. It to is. Be honest. It's very yeah. strange. What What movie do you think gets that vulnerability plus grunge. One I have is the movie Singles, if you've ever seen it. I don't think it's, so. It's Singles. definitely a grunge. It's just like kind of a couple of days in the life of like six people who, in various relationships, really quick moving. But 1992. Yeah, the soundtrack is very grunge. It's very Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, which is another. Takes place in Seattle, yeah, it see? says. So that's right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, check yeah, that yeah, one out. Heart. But I was wondering okay. if you have one that gets the the vulnerability and the grunge. You know, something like, yeah. like Brink or... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I was going to say grind. <laughs> grind, yeah. Grind. Sorry, grind. That's yeah. what I... Dang it. And so when I think of grind, like I, the soundtrack is a little butt rock, but they're all these dudes. They're just kind of like airheads. They're trying to become famous off this trend. Yeah. And, no. and so I think grind is totally butt rock. That's what I meant. That, you're totally right. I would. That's You're exactly right, Bryce. Thank you. That's for so uh, Also, 2003. So that came out the same year as Biker Boys. Yes, there you go. See, we're covering some gaps. I mean, I think something's happening This could go on forever, to be honest. And I think I've talked to Bryce about how I I need to start a a podcast doing this. So maybe we can see after this airs, we can revisit it and and riff because I think you could go like band by band. But Bryce. Oh, easily. Take this over and we can can come back to riffing on this a bit more. I like that idea. It can go hard. <laughs> okay, Jamie. That was a lot of fun to kind of dive back into. And honestly, it's kind of one of my favorite um episodes of like the latter half of the season so far. Yeah. So much fun to discuss that weird topic with our buddy Jonathan on the show. But another topic that we got to talk about that had never premiered on any episode was contemporary adult Furby collectors that you somehow fell into on Facebook or something or Twitter. Tell me more about that. So while we were waiting for Jonathan to join our call to talk about butt rock, Bryce Uh and I, I was was filling Bryce in on a story about how I was unintentionally pushed real deep into the world of contemporary current adult Furby collectors. <laughs> and uh, so we, I was telling them about uh, it. They say, you know what? We should just hit record. I don't, you know, we, we might need this for something. We had to, we had to cut it when Jonathan joined. So I didn't, we didn't get too deep, but yeah, more or I less. I think we got um, deep enough. I think a tip is more than enough yeah. <laughs> to get into that culture. That's yeah, such we, a weird. Yes. Ugh. Well, you know what? I don't, 
ever, like I, I think I even say in the recording that's about to follow, I don't ever want to yuck anybody's yums. I'm sitting here talking to you and I have a fucking 40 year old my pet monster doll <laughs> staring, staring at, at you <laughs> um so i never want to yuck anybody's yums i know i like a lot of stupid shit and i actually you know i started seeing a mutual friend on twitter um sharing images of furbies and i was like what what's going on with this and was it a long furby it was a long furby oof a long furby is a furby that uh has been cut and stitched so its original body and eyes and mouth are intact, but it's just like the head of a long furry snake. But um, we get into it. We we'll get, get into, into it during it. this clip. Trust me. Trust me. We get into it. So let's talk a little bit about Furbies. All what right. What do you say? Let's do it, man. Back to the past like Samurai Jack. Let's go. <laughs> watch out, watch out, watch out. It's been about 24 to 48 hours now that I have been thrust headfirst into the very dramatic, very exciting... A very unique world of contemporary adults collecting, uh-huh. customizing, and being enthusiasts for Furbies. <laughs> Furbies? Yes. Wait, what? So I, I, I'm so confused. Okay, why, why are you thrusting yourself into this world? Well, it, 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 it was sort of lightning in a bottle. It was like this fortuitous, weird thing. I think I got to chase it down. You know, you ever feel like something's happening to you for a reason? I don't know what the reason is, but sure. Basically. Uh, about two weeks ago, I had one of those moments that we live for here on the podcast, which is I I just had a lightning flash. I was like, oh, Furbies. I like totally forgot up until two weeks ago those existed. And not only wow. did they exist, but they were – remember, they were like – people were killing each other for them. They were like – Oh yeah, the hot item for a while. You it was kind of like the Tickle Me Elmo. Like, yeah, it, it, it was, was huge. It was hot commodity. Um, jingle all the way sort of stuff, right? <laughs> yes. So yes. I was just like, oh. I want to get a Furby and, and you know, cause I'm, I'm in the middle of building a retro media station in my house here. Um, um, you look around and my whole house is retro media, but I want one corner. That's like my N64, um, a TV with the VCR built in a couple uh, action tapes that I liked in the nineties. And, uh, like, oh, so like, you're going to kind of like theme out bits and pieces yeah, of your entertainment. Space. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And, uh, so I was thinking a Furby would be great there. I totally forgot they existed. And, uh-huh. um, so anyway, I, I just kind of put a pin in that in the back of my head. Like, oh yeah, Furbies. And <laughs> then a, uh, I started seeing a lot of Furby action with a friend of mine on Twitter. And so did this happen like simultaneously? Like, yeah, you, unrelated. Okay. But like weird. You know, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I guess it was meant to be. And I was like, <laughs> I got to see what's going on. So she started posting long Furbies. Have you ever heard of a long Furby? No, I have not. Go ahead. This and, almost sounds sexual. It could be. Go ahead and Google it as I'm explaining it. A long Furby okay. is a custom job that people make where they take out the core of a Furby and make it imagine like a snake. Imagine if a Furby was a snake, and it's this long, oh, fuzzy, soft kind of. This disturbing. is disturbing. It's scary. It's a scary thing. <laughs> yes. But I, oh I think God. it's wonderful. So she, um, a friend of mine on Twitter, she made a long Furby for her daughter, and I know I, uh, I look, look, you know, I'm surrounded by junk, so I, I'm, I will never. <laughs> I will never yuck somebody's yum, you know, while I'm sitting here. No, no, no. There's no judgment, especially here on the bogus cast. Like, there's no judgment. We talk talk enough about weird shit. (laughs) There's no judgment here. And so, anyway, I start seeing more and more of her Furby content. She's got a Furby. 
She puts up a picture of a Furby in the freezer. She's pulling the eyes out of it. I'm like, what is going on? Oh so finally, God. I'm like, what's going on with this Furby content? And she's like, oh, yeah, I fa- fell into this rabbit hole once about adult collectors and customizers. And I'm really into it myself. And uh, if you're interested, here's links to this group, this Facebook group. So I found well, a full group. There's oh multiple God. groups. And along with that, just like any fandom, there's really heavy drama in the in the Furby. No shit. Yeah. Is it over Furbies or is it over like other like personal drama? A little bit of both. So Ooh, I kind of like that. I'm going to give you a little taste. So I've only been in this world for about 48 hours now, the Furby world. Um, and I don't think I'm, I don't know. I don't, I want one for that collection that I was talking about, but I, I don't see myself getting as into it as these people that I am coming encounter with. But I, I do have, I have a huge interest. Like I want to go to furry, uh, bro, uh, brony con. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a brony. I don't really like uh, like my... just to experience it. Yeah, yeah. Or... So, so for okay. for those of you who are not initiated, a brony is an adult, mostly male fan of My Little Pony, and there is a small uh, people automatically say, "Oh, they're they're weird perverts and stuff like that." And some of them are sex perverts, but that's only like ten percent. The rest yeah. of them just, 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 it's just like with uh, furries, like furries yes. dress up in animal costumes and stuff. People think that it's all sexual, but no, it's not. There, there's a small sect that gives I it, mean, there's still, yes, it yes. gives it a bad name because people automatically associate, but I, I'm interested in fandoms and I'm interested in fandoms that I don't fully understand. Okay. Um, and this is one that I don't fully understand. And the, and the brony one's not my fault. So I, I want to be around people who love something so much and I want to get in their heads a little bit, and and I want you know. So I'm really interested in this in this Furby thing. But let me let me tell you a little bit about the Furby drama. I've got it right here. Okay. Okay. Here's a few examples <laughs> over the years that the Furby. Oh years! Oh my gosh! Okay. Has, okay. This uh, has been yes. happening for a while. So there is a bizarrely high amount, and I'm reading. I'm reading this off a list now. This is the. Okay. This is a list on Reddit. You know, following this is the R Hobby Drama Reddit, and they talk about all the drama that comes in with hobbies. So this one is talking about the Furby one. So a bizarrely high amount of extreme feminists come into the Furby tag on Tumblr and spam the fandom users with obscene images of gore and violence. So that's one thing that happens often. Weird. There's also something called Clean Course, which is extreme discourse about how often Furbies should be washed, particularly one fandom member's extreme matted Furby, and it got extremely personal and heated. So there was a member who was posting uh, a Furby that was matted because it was old, and a bunch of people uh-huh. ganged on him and were like, you fucking piece of shit. You wash your Furby. This brings up Furby. so many questions. Like, I, are you supposed to wash your Furby? If so, like, how do you wash your Furby? The, the fur. And not only that, then why are people so concerned about others washing their Furbies? Yeah. Uh, I, this brings up a lot of questions. This brings up a lot of questions, and I don't quite have the answers yet. I'm, I am, I know, I'm not judging these people. I would never judge... Uh, well, let's be careful here. I would judge people, but <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I, I, I look, you guys I love it. Furbies. I, I got it. a fucking draw full of WWF action figures. Like, you know, that's just yeah, that's like 30 years old. Who am I to say that that <laughs> is any cooler than Furbies? Well, we're back. Back again. Here on the Forever Bogus podcast. <laughs> Shady's back. Tell your friend. But, yep. um, 
yeah, I hope you learned a lot about adult Furby collections. Go on if you're on Facebook, join a group. Um, don't be a hater though. No, you know? don't be hating. Like if you're really interested, like I am, I'm very interested. So I joined a bunch of the groups, but I just watch. Like I'm very voyeuristic. I'm just looking in the window, <laughs> not interacting with anybody. I'm not liking. I'm not even liking posts or comment. You know, just just watch. Don't be a hater. Um, because this is some insider baseball bullshit. That's but, right. Um, <laughs> Aside from our podcast, you know, there are a lot of podcasts out there in the realm of nostalgia and old movies and Halloween and all the bullshit we love to talk about. And of course, and Bryce, I think you even visited some friends of ours. I did. Yeah. Uh, back in, I think it was September, maybe before that, I was a special guest on the Haunted Hangover podcast. We actually had um, our buddy Dave on our podcast during our uh, Forever Boogus Halloween podcast episode, <laughs> but uh, I got to talk with them and chat about our favorite Halloween specials. And uh, I, I don't know if I want to keep it a surprise. I, I bet you uh, quite a few of our listeners have, have listened to this episode, but I, I want to give you a little taste of what I talked about uh, so you can go and hear the rest for yourself. That's right. So this is us. Uh, well, not us. This is Bryce off home court, you know, so <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, he's the away team today. And uh, what are you going to be talking about? Well, I talk about one of my favorite Halloween specials, steve and uh, which is the Family Matters Halloween special that has an uh, animatronic. Uh, what is more than that? He's it's a living doll of Steve Urkel. It's uh, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, if you were a kid in the '90s and you experienced that, you're sort of seeing Steve Urkel as an evil marionette puppet. Yeah. And um, I had a marionette puppet in my basement that like somebody gave me as a birthday gift, and it was really scary. And it wasn't intentionally scary. It was just like a, a fucking why. why? Why in, 19, in the <laughs> ni- so early strange. 1990s do you give somebody a marionette doll unless it's fucking haunted? Um, Didn't so, he hang out with Monster Face in the basement? Is that right? Yeah, the two toys yes. I was the most scared of that I didn't want like really around. My dad's like, all right, well, I'll put it in the basement. And he put it like on a dresser at the bottom of the basement stairs. So like when you open the basement <laughs> door, they're the things you see at the bottom. Looking up at you, scary That's shit. We terrifying. had a really unfinished, like dungeony kind of basement back then. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta gotta ask about. I'm that. sorry. Yeah. I brought you back to that moment, and I apologize. But uh, let's quickly move to that clip. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I watch Halloween TV specials year round, and uh, as you guys said previously, I've put together four Halloween mixtapes, and that's like collectively like twelve hours of specials. But uh, the specials that I love the most are the ones that walk that fine line of like too campy and too scary. Like it's like a mixture of both. You, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the one that stands out the most is a uh, two-parter episode from Family Matters called Steve. <laughs> do, do you guys remember this? Yes, I do. I remember it vividly. <laughs> you know, I got to say, I remember it. But I have no recollection of this episode. Oh, cool. Okay. So hopefully <laughs> I can jog some of your memory. And, I hope uh, so. May- maybe we can give you a little nostalgia <laughs> blast throughout throughout my Please do. <laughs> so the uh, first steve episode premiered on TGIF in 1996 during their Halloween special uh, marathon. And uh, both episodes were directed by Richard Coral. And uh, that may or may not ring a bell, uh, but for those who are like diehard TGIF show fans may recognize the name because he directed a lot of episodes from Full House, uh, uh, 
um, Perfect Strangers. Like he's kind of all he's got his fingers in all those TGIF shows, and he's still doing stuff now. He's the go-to guy for those type of sitcoms. <laughs> Seriously, he is, and it's it's some of my favorite episodes that he's directed yeah. for for all those shows. And then uh, it also starred um, a little guy named Josh Ryan Evans, and he plays Stevel's double, which I'll talk a little bit more here in a moment. So to kick off the episode. Steve brings down a um, ventriloquist doll, a, a dummy doll, because I guess he tried to pick up some ventriloquism to uh, try to pick up some girls or something. I think that's what the whole uh, kind of plan was. He's like, I could get this dummy and pick up some girls. And the dummy looks exactly like Steve Urkel. It's pretty amazing. Have you guys seen photos of this? Yeah, he's wearing. They're like wearing the same clothes too. I think it's the same outfit. Yes, (laughs) same color glasses, same colored suspenders. I mean, it's a splendid image. It's pretty cool. And so he, the whole family's hanging out in the family room, and he's like, "Hey, do you guys mind if I uh, try out some of my ventriloquism jokes and stuff on you?" And they all kind of shrug, like, "Okay, whatever." And so he acts one out. He makes a joke. Uh, it was like, does your mom know you're here? And the dummy's like, my mother's a telephone pole in Kansas City, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I'm in Kansas City. So every time I hear that joke, I'm like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the family pretty much like makes fun of him and uh, says, like, you're really bad at this. Don't quit your day job. So needless to say, Steve feels pretty defeated. And um, in an effort to kind of save his act, uh, he wishes that his dummy was alive. And uh, for some reason, it's storming outside, and Steve's like, I'll just take a nap. And at that same time, a lightning bolt comes striking into the window, hitting the dummy and bringing the dummy to life. My name is Stephen Q. Urkel. My IQ is 196. I like cheese. I like I love how it's something as simple as a lightning bolt to bring the doll, like to bring the, vump, the dummy to life. Right? Just gonna, just gonna re- reanimate this dummy right then and there. <laughs> I mean, looking back on Family Matters, Steve has changed his personality to Stefan. He's built a robot version of himself. Like he has the mental capability of making things come to life, or at least change it scientifically. But no, a lightning bolt comes in through the window to make the dummy come to life. Whatever. <laughs> it's funny, too, because you're right. Like, at this point in the series, it was, like, season eight. So, it was all about Steve Urkel. Like, he was the main, like, it was the Steve Urkel show, basically. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I guess just to give a little bit of a backstory. So, the uh, season one, Steve Urkel was not in the show at all. And then uh, I think he appeared as, like a, like, a guest. But people loved him so much, they demanded him to be on full time. And you're right. About... That's about 1995 is when it became the Steve Urkel show. So he was in every single scene, and uh, that's a whole other rabbit hole that we can get into at a different time. But Steve is alive, and now he's trying to wreak havoc among all the family members. He uh, pretty much makes the two boys uh, ride their bikes um, away from his little dummy doll 
sized car like he's like trying to run over the the boys riding a bike he makes the mother into uh one of those little jack-in-the-box things which is really strange and uh i'm really bad with names but who was the the daughter that steve urkel was trying to get trying to go out with or make his girlfriend laura laura yeah so Laura gets like split in her body parts are split into different cabinets and stuff. So it's just like really weird, wacky things that he does to this family to kind of kill them off without actually killing them off. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. So uh, pretty much Steve figures out a way to defeat Steve by flushing him down the toilet and um, he wakes up from his nap and realizes it was just a dream. It's one of those really dumb dream sequences, but honestly, like, it's just so much action and scary parts and it's wacky and campy. This episode just really stands out of the entire series. I love it so much. And like, how can you how can you follow up to that? No, I know. I agree. It, it is a great episode. And there's a few things about it that are so 90s that I love. Like, for instance, the kids are dressed up as Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman. Yes. Which is <laughs> yes. With, for Halloween. Like, the one kid has like a platinum fro on his head. It's amazing. And and it, I always got a kick out of it because this episode always felt very Twilight Zone-ish. And I, I'm assuming that was the inspiration. Or like, it was. Because yes. that, that jack-in-the-box scene was uh, very reminiscent of the uh, – is it um, – it's a wonderful life. Oh, not it's a wonderful life. That's the Christmas movie. Uh, you know what episode <laughs> with the little kid and he turns one of the people in the house into a jack into it. Yes. That's exactly – I think the inspiration did come from that. And then Twilight Zone has a really famous dummy episode, Ventriloquist dummy episode too. So you could see where they got inspiration and just turned it into a parody basically. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, man. So uh, that was a lot of fun. I, and I encourage our listeners to check out that full-length episode if you haven't done so already because they go in-depth with their favorite Halloween specials, which was like Are You Afraid of the Dark? and Goosebumps. So it's it's a really fun episode. I encourage everyone to listen to it. That's right, man. And and uh, while you're over there, you know, rep the home team, you know? Oh, <laughs> yes, please. Please. For, forever bogus. <laughs> forever underscore bogus. Well, the next one uh, that we're going to be covering here, the next clip that we're going to be covering here comes from our favorite VHS cover episode. And uh, I think it was one of your last picks. You talked about Dead Alive and you uh, kind of rambled on there for quite a while, which was still a really like some really good stories and really good uh, uh, opinions and stuff about Dead Alive. But we unfortunately had to cut it a little short for the episode itself. Yeah, I can I can really get going when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, any any chance I get to to rattle off my gums about these fucking movies, I I'm happy to do it. And uh, apparently, I did a little too much. So here's a little bit of the yep. extra, the spillover. You see this? I got the soapbox. You can go ahead and stand on it, my friend. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get to that clip, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Dead alive, man. Um, Wonderful cover does not reflect what happens in the movie, but it just is. It does its job, which, you know, because back then you didn't really, they couldn't afford to put, they still can't afford to put B movie trailers in big movies. You know, when you go to the movies now in a, in a non pandemic world or whatever, you don't see 
trailers for Psycho Gore Man. No. You know, how do you get people to see those movies? Well, nowadays they have YouTube and they have Twitter and they have Instagram. They could sort of, you know, narrow down on people that would be interested in B movies and stuff. You know, I, Psycho Gore Man found me before I found it. Psycho Gore Man yeah, being the, the 2020 here. movie. They, they found me on Twitter and because uh, they, I guess all the, the shit I talk about horror movies. So they knew <laughs> I would love it and I do. It's a great movie. Um, but they didn't have YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and shit back then. So what do you do? Well, you put out a movie. And you give it a wicked cover that you can't miss, and you fucking hope for the best. And hope it goes viral. <laughs> dead alive, yeah, yeah, dead alive. And and I guess that is the '80s and '90s version of going viral is having an entire generation of kids not being able to forget the artwork on your box. So true. I should. We should have. We should have said that at the top of this. We should have. Maybe yeah. I'll isolate that. We'll kick off the show with that, and then we'll jump into our intro. How about that? That's cool. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, received a copy of Dead Alive. Probably about five or six years ago, I had a friend that's in the, um, I guess I want to say like vintage clothes uh, business. And I guess on one of his recent runs, a um, owner of all these clothes he bought was like, I have all these VHS. I'm just going to throw them away. Do you want them? He's like, yeah, sure. I'm sure I know somebody who who wants them. Well, uh, he ended up contacting me. He's like, I have these few boxes of VHS if you want to look through it. I looked through almost all three boxes, found nothing. It was just like junk. And at the bottom of the third box was a copy of Dead Alive. Wow. And like that just made like my entire year. Yeah. All right, man. So those are some of the clips that had to be cut for time for our episodes. But I wanted to end the episode on a very high note. And that is the release of your punk album, Street Piss. Oh, what is this yeah. all about, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for... Uh, Given me the airtime to talk about it here really <laughs> right, quickly. Yeah. Because uh, it might not – I mean it fits into our punks episode. But, you know, sure. for, for general general uh, listeners to the show, you know, we don't really talk about music too much. We we uh, talk more about television and movies and nostalgia and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifelong musician and this is sort of a uh, – basically the, the easy version of this is I wanted to release a, the album that I was not talented enough to release when I was 15 and 16. Um, I really was cool though. Yes. I really wanted to, I was always into punk music. I was always into the idea of being in bands and playing in bands. And I I played in a lot of bands and spent a lot of time doing that. And, uh, but the one, you know, album I always wanted to make, always wanted to release with that really thrashy, punky attitude. I was not a good enough guitar player to do it. And when I did vocals, I sounded like a child. So not, not a lot. Of, so not now, not anymore. Thankfully, not anymore. Yeah, now I sound like a young adult, a Twilight reader. But um, the yeah, this is this is an album I've always wanted to make since I was since I was a kid uh, or since I was a teenager. And finally, I kind of am. I don't want to sound like a dickhead, but I, I could play guitar enough and and yell enough to do it. Um, <laughs> and I got my my uncle plays drums on the on the record and. Wow. Um, he is a personal hero of mine. He got me into punk music. If you listen to our punk episode, he took me to my first show, which turned out to be a murder junkie show. And I did not know <laughs> it at the time. Um, it seems like he's a big influence on your life. So it's it, really cool to see that he's working on this you know, project yeah, with you. Yeah, he's a big influence on my life. And also he is a bit of a legend in uh, the underground New York hardcore scene. Wow. Um, I, to the point where like, you know, in the early, you know, 2010s when I was going around New York City playing my folk music, 
I would occasionally be like, yeah, you know, that's, that's my uncle. And people I didn't know would be like buying me beers and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. uh, so it was really cool. And uh, also listener of the show, good friend, Rob, he plays bass guitar on this record. Um, yeah. And uh, he did great. He was in like the, the first real band I was ever in. So uh, it was great to have that too. This is all about legacy. And uh, I wanted it to be a, a real fuck you kind of album. There's no deep political thoughts. There's no, there's nothing to really make you think about. I think it's, you I, talk about wrestling more than anything else. I talk and about, I, love I talk about wrestling. So Everything else is fuck you, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's got that <laughs> shitty punk attitude, but yeah, it's yeah. called street piss. Um, so I think we're going to play a little clip now. And yeah. uh, if you like it, check it out on YouTube. You can just search Street Piss. It is the blue album. There's also a bunch of other videos that come up of people pissing in the street. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Let's let's roll it. Let's Hell roll yeah. that track. <laughs> There you go, man. My ears are bleeding, and I danced way too hard. Thank you for for uh, providing that track for us, and we actually premiered on the show. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, this is sort of like uh, the original name of the album was, uh, and I'm still going to do something with this name, so maybe I shouldn't say it. But uh, yeah, the the original name to the album had something more to do with that being an adult and reliving angsty teenage years. Okay, and uh, you know, I used to go to all these punk shows, like I said, with with my uncle. His bands were great back in the day. He'd take me to all these places I was too young to be into. And I used to really mosh really hard. And then uh, <laughs> they had a reunion show, my uncle's band. And I was already in a, I was an adult by then. And I went back and I started moshing like I used to, but people ran away. I actually You're cleared. You're too big. I, yeah, <laughs> You're I, Sasquatch I, I cleared moshing. the floor. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. So being an adult and still having that angsty anger, you know, it's okay, but you have to channel it into, you know, the right endeavors. And I think uh, Street Piss is that for me. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me air it here, man. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up our Attack of the Clips episode part deux. Next week, we'll be back to our own antics, our own shenanigans and stuff. And uh, right around the corner, we're having um, Matt Jacobson from Tammy and the T-Rex come on the show and talk about some crazy stories that happened on set. I'm so yeah. excited about Check that. Check that movie out if you haven't beforehand. It'll just add to it. This guy worked on this film called... Tammy and the T-Rex starring Paul Walker, Rip, and yep, he, yep. Uh, he, his brain is transported into a robot dinosaur body. Um, the film I think came- it's just a, I think it's just a dinosaur, but uh, it is oh, an actual it like robotic. Okay. It, it's, I mean, I think both works. My understanding right of the there. film is it's a ro- it's a, it's a dinosaur robot, but, but the I could film be- in general is kind of confusing. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely get into that. Don't worry. Check it out though. It's uh, <laughs> it turns out, uh, it was. It came out as like, as kind of like a weird kids kind of movie, and it felt off. And it turned out years later that it was supposed to be a horror movie. Yes. And uh, so the gore cut of it is now on Shutter. If you're a subscriber to Shutter, which I think yes. is like four watch bucks a that. month, watch Tammy. Watch and the that before you listen yeah. to that episode, which will probably premiere sometime in April. So It'll be a good. Pre-game. Very excited about that. Yes, exactly. Well, until then, Jamie, always remember to be kind. 
Always remember to rewind. And then we'll always remember to stay Five.